we all want to be happier. But how do we get there? First, we start by realizing happiness is not a destination. Being happy consists of micro action steps every single day. I'm your host, Brittany King, and I'm here to guide you along the way. Welcome back to the Positively Real podcast. I'm your host and your coach, Brittany King, and I am so glad you are here today, friend. This conversation that we are about to have is going to be so good. I have been looking forward to this for quite some time. I was looking for a very specific person to have this conversation with and just how the universe works out. I found her. So please welcome to the show, AJ Bishop. Hello, lovely. How are you doing today? Hi, Brittany. I'm doing so good. How are you? I am doing great. I'm about to be even better after having this conversation and having an opportunity to interview you. So AJ is the chief wealth officer and founder of My Wealth Conscious Coach. So can you guess what we're going to talk about today? We're going to be talking about all the money, honey. And I have been wanting to have this conversation with someone for so long because this money mindset comes up all of the time with my clients. And it takes a very particular person to be able to really talk about this, especially to women. And when I discovered AJ, I actually found you through Pia Beck, who is also a guest on my show. And I know that you worked with her and she posted about you. And I was like, oh, like my wealth conscious coach, like that sounds curious. So I clicked on your profile and I just fell in love. I was like, yes, this is exactly what I've been looking for to have someone to have this conversation with. So that is how we got connected. Grateful for Pia, grateful for the internet and Instagram. So why don't we just start by you giving a quick little introduction of who you are, what you're up to, and then we'll get into it. Well, perfect. So it's always so hard to decide where to start, but I've basically been in the wealth management industry for over 16 years. Um, I started out as uh, we were called licensed bankers back in the day. So I had my securities licenses, as well as I did like your general banking. And I worked my way up to financial advisor and finally um, a managing director of investments is what I've been doing for the past about five years. And so working in the wealth management industry, obviously I worked with people from all walks of life, right? Folks who had just retired, people who were starting new families, um, women who were going through transition, uh, men who were starting new businesses. And I would tell you that the one common thing that came up was this idea of mindset. And in the back then, I, I had a I had an inkling of what it meant, right, and what mindset was. But I I was too busy, really, just you know, managing portfolios, overseeing my teams. And ensuring that people's, you know, their investments were doing what they were supposed to be doing. And so about five years ago, um, I really got into yoga. I've been practicing for 15, 16 years, but I decided to actually become a yoga teacher myself. And what I got really present to in my yoga teacher training was around, right, the thoughts, the beliefs, and the attitudes that hold us back in life. 
And I started realizing and recognizing, right, a lot of the yoga principles I learned through um, my teacher training, they were very applicable in my work with my team and with their clients. And so about five, six years ago, I started blending wealth management, right, like the science and the practicality and the analytical pieces to it. But I brought in this more spiritual base, like, um, you know, wealth consciousness is really what the word is. And uh, about COVID hit, and all of a sudden, I'm like, you know what, it's time for me to, to really embrace this as my calling. And so now I work full time working with women specifically on their money mindset, as well as their overall view of and definition of wealth. Mm, I when, when we were connecting over this the other day, I was just like, wow, what an amazing thing to blend is like this, like really grounded concept with this spiritual concept of yoga and bringing it together. Cause it absolutely is connected. And I think from my own experience, that's how you make a sustainable long-term lasting change instead of like these quick fixes that people often find themselves in. So I, I, I think, I mean, I really just want to start with like the basics, like what is money mindset? So your timing of questioning that is so perfect. I'm right in the middle. Today was actually the first day of a money mindset challenge that I launched. Mm -hmm. And what I was telling everyone is there's really two definitions. I'll go into mindset in just a minute, but this idea of a challenge, there's really two, two definitions, right? Like in mainstream, we like to look, think of it as a noun of right to, to be in a contest or to, to conquer something like there's this idea of like a place you need to get to or a contest you need to win. And the spirit of my challenge is actually where we use it as a verb. We're actually disputing the truth and the validity of something. So with this money mindset challenge, we're actually disputing the truth and the validity of a mindset that you currently have. And so, right, Brittany, you do a lot of mindset coaching as well. And what I'll just share is money mindset is very similar to any other type of mindset, whether you're a performance, a coach, or, you know, you work with um, individuals on their relationship, really what we have and what it all boils down to is what, right, what we think is what creates our world, right? Our words and our thinking create our world. And so if we have the mindset specifically with money that there's not enough or that we don't have enough or that we're not smart enough to figure it out, then guess what happens? That's actually what happens. Mm -hmm. And so what my work in the world is, is to work with individuals to get really clear on what those mindsets are, the ones that I say no longer serve them so that they can be aware of when they come up. Mm -hmm. Because the reality is, is they actually don't ever go away. That's like the secret sauce that I'll share with you today is that they don't really ever go away. You actually just get more and more present to when they're coming up so that you can say, Oh, here it is. Here's my not enoughness, or here's my not good enoughness, or there's not enoughness. And um, you can choose differently rather than acting out of reactivity and making bad choices that I think we've all made before. Mm, So good. I mean, there's so many different things there that like come up that I think the first thing that really stood out to me is that they never go away. And I think that often when people start, you know, working on themselves and going down the path of development, they think that it's just like a switch that like, 
okay, we're fixed it. Everything's gone. But from, especially from my experience, it's like, no, you have to work on it. It's something that you have to be conscious of every single day and be aware and then be able to process through it and then choose a thought that is going to help get the result that you do want. So especially with money, um, I, you know, I didn't realize that I had a very interesting relationship with money very bad. Like I probably discovered this like four or five years ago. I read the book, you're a badass at making money by Jen Shintiro. Love her. And that's when I started to uncover these beliefs and how they were showing up in my life and how sneaky they were. So do you want to touch on where these money beliefs come from and how do we develop them? Yeah, I work with a lot of my clients that's going to the root, right? Like where, where, what were the stories you grew up with at home, right? Like what did your parents say about money? What did your family believe was true about money? Who had money and who didn't, right? Like who, who was keeping up with the Jones and who wasn't, who lived on the wrong side of the tracks? And there's just so much of our language where we're already programmed to speak in terms of haves and have nots. And it's been not only ingrained in us from our family dynamics, but also from our communities, depending on where you grew up in the world to even society, right? Like I I think, right, we're getting ready to head into the holiday season. You better believe that right now, all of our retail friends are really starting to ramp up for Black Friday, right? Like they're starting to ramp up all of the marketing, all of the clever, the clever ways to get us to want to consume, which isn't a bad thing. Like what I actually work with my clients on is buying things isn't a bad thing. It's just a matter of what your relationship with it is, right? If you're out there buying things, because for example, you grew up in a household where your parents um, showed love through gifts and you then in turn start doing that as well to the point where you right? Go beyond your means or you put yourself into a financial situation you can't get out of, then that's a problem. Different than, you know, you still show love through gifts, but you rather than, you know, compulsive buying or what I call buyer's remorse, you go out very specific with a specific intention in mind, right? Like you come from a place that's grounded and knowing, yeah, I do have enough money or I don't have enough money to purchase these items. And you're able to react out of that versus out of a place of lack or a place out of scarcity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with like scarcity, how, how does one like start shifting from that place of scarcity? Well, it all comes back to awareness. Um, One of my favorite books that I have on my nightstand, and I always go back to it, especially when I'm stuck in those moments, it's called The Trance of Scarcity by Victoria Castle. I ran into this book when I was getting my master's degree in Seattle about, I don't know, maybe it's been 10 years now, time just flies by, but it really is about this idea that we have a collective issue and problem with looking at things from being scarce, right? The not enoughness, the there's not enough for anyone. And so the way, the best way to look at scarcity is to become really present to the opposite side, right? Like there's got to be that balance of understanding when things are um, the worst and understanding when things are the best, because what tends to happen is people get unconscious, right? Like I like to call it, they live in a drift or they live in the status quo where they're just going through the motions 
And rather than questioning, right, like the way they're thinking about what's going on in their pocketbook to how they're actually paying their bills matters, right? If you sit down to write a bill and you're thinking, I don't have enough money, well, guess what most likely will happen if you think that enough, you're not going to have enough money Mm -hmm. versus if you are open to looking for opportunities, right? Like money always seems to come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds a little naive, some people would say, but it's true enough, it happens, right? Like if your mind's not stuck in a place of contraction, mm-hmm. then you actually have more space to look for what's available and what's possible. And that's where creativity lives. Okay. There's so much goodness with, with what you just said, because I think a lot of times when people are trying to manage their relationship with money and they just can't get out of a place of scarcity. It's like hard for them to be like, yeah, money just comes out of, right? Like flows out of nowhere. So what would be the first step for someone that's like, wants to be open to that idea, but is kind of stuck in it right now? Yeah, I would say there's five steps I teach all of my clients. Um, It's part of what the challenge is about this week. So the first one is getting comfortable with the uncomfortable, right? Like this whole idea of being open to receiving versus having to latch onto things and um, be in that really tight contracted stance, whether that's with your money, whether that's with, you know, anything that's in your life, it's uncomfortable to have what I like to call faith and not blind faith, right? Like money doesn't grow on trees. Like I I really do wish that was a fable that was true. (laughs) But the fact is that if you are able to sit in discomfort for longer than you probably normally would, you're going to find that there's a whole other way of doing things. I'll give you the example, right? When I used to be, and I still love to spend money, but I used to be a compulsive spender. So I would get, you know, have a bad day at work and I'd go to the store and buy something. And so for a long time, like I had to be in the practice of being uncomfortable, right? Wanting to go spend money to make myself feel better, but really having to sit and not be, not be able to do that. Right. Like even to the point of whether it was sitting in right my car at target mm-hmm. and being uncomfortable with that tension that comes up, but you're basically retraining yourself to think more objectively and unemotionally. Cause of course we've all heard of emotional buying and that's typically where people get into trouble is where they're creating emotions from buying things. The second thing is to really determine what your financial why is, right? Why are you trying to save money? What is it? Why does that matter to you? What's your goal, right? Like, do you want to go on a trip? Do you want to buy a house? Do you want to retire at 40? Like those things are so important. Granted, they may feel long-term. They really are what grounds you in ensuring that like what I call the, the money leaks don't happen. And that's actually what number three is is letting go of standards, right? Standards, not in the sense of, right, you, you're accustomed to living a certain way and you completely change it. I'm talking about creating your own standards, right? The whole keeping up with the Jones is real. And what I've seen is, is when people are able to get really clear on what matters to them and they become so grounded in what brings them joy and contentment, and they're not looking around at their neighbors trying to keep up and trying to buy all the things, there's actually so much more purpose and fulfillment in that. Number four is all around creating a tribe, like I call them your money tribe, 
right? When you're going through mindset training, you need support, right? It's not something you do on your own. I, I don't even claim to think that I'm the sole purpose who created my wealth conscious coach. It was a combination. It was a journey of getting here with my mentors, with my coaches, you know, having the support of my partners along the way to ensure that like, I always had the big picture in mind. And then last but not least is it really just comes down to putting your goals at the number one, right? Like sometimes it's hard for people to really spend money and to see themselves as an investment, right? Like I know for a long time, I felt really bad about spending money in ways that were meaningful on myself. Sure, I'd go buy like a really cute outfit from Nordstrom in a heartbeat, but when it came to like getting coaching or getting support, going through personal development, I didn't see those as things that I deserved or that I should have. But the reality is, is we all need that, right? Like you're a coach, I'm a coach, you have a coach, I have coaches. It's just, you need someone to help you be accountable and supportive of you as you're changing and developing your mindset. Oh my gosh, AJ is so good. That is all of that just is so, it's like you've taken this concept and really have put it into steps that are easy to digest. I mean, it's not, the work is never easy per se. It's simple, like it's easy. It's not easy to execute, but this is really digestible. It's like when you break it down this way, um, there's a couple things that I want to circle back to. I mean, the last thing you just said about investing in yourself, like in meaningful ways that help create long-term lasting change. That is huge because oftentimes, and especially with money, it's like short-term gains. Like I'm going to buy this dress because I think it's going to make me feel better. I'm going to buy this or blah, 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 because I'm like trying to fix something, how I'm feeling. But I think what you said in the beginning of just being okay with being uncomfortable, like asking yourself, why do I really want to buy this? And seeing how that relationship with money like surfaces, whatever else is going on. So, I mean, that just like, whoo, and the investing in yourself, like both of those are two things that um, really stick out because I know as soon as you make an investment in yourself, you're really sending that message that like you matter and that you're ready to, to, to take things into your own hands and really make that change that you've always been wanting to. So I love that. So these are the steps for your challenge right now. Is this what you do with your clients as well? So I do um, a lot of free workshops and a lot of challenges because I think it's important to start generating what I call the collective wisdom and starting to elevate that consciousness. Mm. Um, But I do work with my clients um, in very, very productive and progressive ways. So like I mentioned at the beginning, we'll take concepts that typically are obscure or complex, right? Like the jargon that the industry uses. And we find a way to make it creative so that my clients can understand and really embrace it and empower themselves to understand what's going on with their money. Because what we aren't talking about, but is is equally important, is spending is only one type of mindset, right? Like that predominantly tends to be the number one out there, right? Is people have problems budgeting, they have problems with debt, but there's two other really important money personalities out there. One of them is savers, right? Like I work with a lot of clients who have saved a a lot of money, but they don't ever spend it because they're worried it's all going to go away. 
or they don't ever really enjoy what they could possibly be taking part in because they're just so stressed out about having enough, right? It's still from the same vein of scarcity, but it looks different. I also work with a lot of clients who have the personality type of planning, right? Like they have all the plans in place. They know exactly to the T what their budget is. But then what happens is they live in this almost like a resentment and a constriction because they're never, it's never the right time, right? Like they'll plan, like I have a goal of, of saving X, Y, Z amount of money. They get there and then there's no joy or contentment because there just wasn't any real satisfaction that was put into creating goals. So there's, you know, all different types of people that have different mindsets And typically, to your point, what gets focused on are these quick fixes, but really it's, I call it like a marathon, right? Like we're training our minds to rewire the the things that we don't want in there anymore. And that takes a little bit of time. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And I love that you brought that up because it is like, from my experience, I experienced like the, the lack and the money beliefs that I definitely adopted from my my parents, I, you know, don't see that other side of like the savers or the planners. And like, it's still all coming from that same place of lack. It just manifests differently. Uh, So that's super interesting. And I definitely have noticed that too. It's like the mentality of, I'm just don't want to spend it because there's just not enough. I do want to mention this belief, especially with um, making more money. I have run into this belief that making more money means that there's going to be less for someone else. Would you mind touching on, on that type of belief and how to really work through that? Because I have noticed that has come up before with my clients. Yeah. I think that's a, the common, what I like to call fear of success in a way, Mm -hmm. whether that's because you are a person who came from humble beginnings Mm -hmm. and you saw what it took from others for others to be wealthy, right? Like I know personally, I grew up in a neighborhood where it was totally fine, but there were kids driving BMWs and I was driving a Ford Escort. And I remember thinking, well, there's not enough for all of us. That's why I have to drive my Ford Escort and they have a BMW. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's really this, there's tension around this idea that if I'm making a lot or I have everything I need, then someone else out there is not. Mm -hmm. But in the reality, if you look at how the universe, the world works is there's this flow of reciprocity. Right. And it's one of the universal laws of prosperity and abundance is that, right, if you're giving, you receive. And if you receive, you give. And so if you are in a place of, well, I, if I get, right, if I receive, and then there's not enough out there for everyone else, well, perhaps there's not. So one thing you could do about that is to donate right? And donate doesn't always mean money. It could be your time. It could be your knowledge. It could be your resources. Mm -hmm. The big thing we haven't spoke to here, right? The reason why I'm called my wealth conscious coach, not my money conscious coach is wealth really isn't all about money, Mm -hmm. right? Like money is a big piece of it. And there's all these other components, right? Whether that's giving back to charitable causes, whether that's leaving a legacy for your children, it really is about what your definition of wealth is that creates 
um, this ability to give and to receive. Mm. And so the other piece that often comes up with people who maybe who are successful out of nowhere, or perhaps are experiencing uncomfortableness with making a lot of money is that true fear of success, right? Like what if it all goes away, right? I've done so well. And what if I lose it all, whether that's in the stock market, whether that's in someone coming and stealing it out of your mattress. And yes, I've seen people stash money under their mattresses. Um, but that those are all based out of the same fear of success. Mm. And so again, it goes back to getting really clear on what's the root cause of this, right? Like who, who along the way along your journey told you that having money is bad mm-hmm. or even that liking money is bad and getting really flat with that and deciding, is that actually my new way that I want to relate to it? Or is it something that I can just acknowledge was part of the past and respect it and move on? Mm. So good. I mean, for like that resonates so much with me because I, I feel like I was born. I always say I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth and then it was ripped out and I was beat with it (laughs) because it, that was kind of what happened uh, with my, my parents, they got a divorce and the number one thing that they would fight about was money. And so at a very early age, I learned that money equals fighting and like that, that was bad. And so I've noticed I've had to do a lot of work around it uh, because it will come up and like, I'll like be resistant to it because of that experience. I've done a lot of work around uh, definitely my money mindset, but it's still, again, something I'm constantly working through. So someone that's just getting into this, you know, practice of developing a money mindset and healing the relationship that they have with money, what would be the first step for them to really start shifting from a place of scarcity and lack into abundance? You know, the easiest way is to start with a gratitude practice Mm -hmm. and not gratitude for everything in the world, but really just gratitude around what is and what is not around your money and your finances, Mm -hmm. right? Like every single experience I've had that I've really taken the time to look at and experience gratitude around good or bad. There's been a lesson there, right? And you know what, when you learn your own lessons, typically you don't redo it. Mm -hmm. It's when someone else tries to teach you a lesson that you're like either, no, I don't want to hear what you have to say, or I already know it all. And you don't really get the lesson. So starting a 10 minute gratitude practice every night before you go to bed, whether that's if you're a journaler, if you like to write, or if you just like to sit and have a moment of quiet meditation and just get really clear on, yeah, what are the things I'm grateful for in terms of what I've learned around money today, right? Like today I'll share, I'll probably get really clear that, you know, I'm just grateful that I have the opportunity to share my message around money. Right. Like it, it really is not a conversation that people are having, but it's so important. Is it always an easy conversation? Absolutely not. But I'm grateful that I'm the person that gets to hold the space for that so that people can have a transformation. Right. Because ultimately, that's what I'm up to in the world is people having money transformation versus just getting all the answers and um, trying to, you know, do the quick fix. Mm-hmm. Like figuring it out. Like they, ha- I mean, I believe everyone has the wisdom and the answers within them 
it's just like providing the space and helping guide them to, to that place. Well, I'm very grateful for you to provide and share this information because it is so important. Um, and it is interesting, even like prepping for this call, like I could feel myself getting uncomfortable, just even being like, okay, this is going to be the topic. And this is something that I've had to really work through in the past couple of years. And it was just so interesting to be able to be in that discomfort and that practice of just being okay. And like, I'm just going to be uncomfortable because if we don't have this conversation, someone out there that needs to hear it, wouldn't hear it. And that's just kind of how the give and take goes when it comes to this space. So Thank you so much for, for sharing. I'm very, very grateful for you and this, uh, yeah, this information. It's amazing. I do want to switch gears a little bit because it is December. We were just talking about before we hit record, like this year was super slow, super fast, and it's zooming by. So we have one month left of the year. December is holiday month. And you've mentioned, you know, like revving up for shopping and everything that comes with the holidays. So I really want to just touch on, on that of like everything that's gone on. 2020 has been a challenging year for sure. And there's definitely been financial hardship for a lot of people. So what advice or suggestions are you giving to people right now as we enter in the holiday spending season? Yeah, I think the number one thing I'm saying is don't try to make up 2020 in a month or in six weeks, right? I think we all none of us could have predicted what 2020 has brought. We were all caught off guard, right? Having to shelter in place and be in quarantine. And some of us, right, may have really buckled down and saved some money because of that, because we weren't commuting to work or because we weren't going out to lunch with friends or to happy hour. And so what I've just been telling people is be really mindful of how you're spending your money this year, right? Like as a stepmom, like I'm sitting there thinking, oh, you know, the kids haven't been at school pretty much all year. And, you know, I want them to really enjoy this year because, right, like they've been at home and it's boring. Like there's all these stories, as you can hear, that come up. So it's like, oh, should I just spend a little more than I normally would to make up for that? Right. Like we didn't they weren't able to play in the sports that they play. Should we be able to make up for that? And those are all the kinds of questions you should really be sitting in versus going and reacting in. Mm. But I always like to tell people, especially if you know that you're more of a spender, is to ensure that like you allow yourself time to process what it is that you're buying, mm-hmm. right? What sometimes happens, and I used to be a victim of Black Friday sales, is right, you get caught in that frenzy, you get caught in that energy. And it's fun energy, don't get me wrong. It's like when you go to a concert and you're anticipating, right, the the headliner coming out, that's the same energy. So it's how can you be uncomfortable with not doing what you're, you've always done? Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is maybe you just don't do Black Friday if you know that you can't afford it, mm-hmm. right? Very uncomfortable. And yet something that it's, you might want to try and practice. Mm-hmm. Now, something to also consider if you're more of a saver, more of a planner is right? Maybe you do have the budget to take money to spend on Christmas, but think about ways that you can create experiences with the ones that you love, right? Like I'm always a big proponent of taking my family to go volunteer or to donate money and time to like adopt a family who can't afford, like there's just so much that you can give in the holiday season that doesn't necessarily translate into your immediate family, but will create 
experiences and memories that will last longer than the Legos, for example, that our 10 year old wants right now. <laughs> yes. I love that so much. That is something that I definitely, um, subscribe to is like when you're, I notice like when, if I feel like I'm in a place of lack, the way that I shift out of it is by being in service, like going to volunteer, um, just kind of stepping out of just the stories I'm telling myself and, you know, the pity party and all of that, like the uh, victim mentality of like, Oh, like this happened and really stepping out of it and seeing perspective from, you know, someone else's life. It completely that, that always shifts me. And especially during the holidays, that's something that I love to do. I mean, year round, but particularly in December, there is just something about that giving mentality and service that can really help. And that has helped me in the past shift. So I love that that is um, a suggestion and something that you practice as well. So tell me a little bit about like the cash diet. What do you recommend? Like if people like do want to spend and they have a plan, like, what do you recommend around like spending cash instead of using credit card? Yeah. So the fun thing about cash right now is nobody wants to take it because of COVID, but you could still in in theory, right? Like have a cash diet. What that looks like is getting really clear on what your budget is, right? Whether that's your budget for the entire spend of the season to even possibly to what you're going to spend individually, but it's ensuring that you just don't go above and beyond, right? So if you physically are in a place where they will take your cash and some places are starting to come back and take cash, literally go take the $200, $100 out of the bank, have it inside your wallet and that's your limit. Mm -hmm. And what you'll find is you actually get so resourceful, right? Like it's so easy to just take a debit card and swipe, swipe, swipe. And before you know it, it's like, oh shit, probably my language, there's, there goes $600 versus physically having to pull those twenties out or those hundreds out. Mm -hmm. I know when I was in college, I had um, a roommate who did this and I was just like, what are you doing? She's like, it's the only way I know I won't spend money because at the end of the week, if the envelope's gone, it's gone. Mm -hmm. So sometimes this is a very helpful strategy for people who, if you do promote, if you are prone to overspending to just get really flat with it this year and only spend whatever cash that you have. Mm-hmm. It's so true. It's like such a different energy when you have something physically in your hand that will go away as to mindlessly swiping the credit card. And yeah, it's so funny. It's like, I don't even think about that with like COVID because obviously I haven't been out of my house <laughs> in a long time. Um, but it is, it's very, it's fascinating just like the different um, energy that having cash and then swiping a credit card brings. Yeah, one of my favorite tactics I used to do, right? Because, you know, everyone likes to window shop. Sometimes that's even entertainment. Like we haven't even gotten into that part of why people spend money is it's entertaining, right? Like you want to go to the store and look in the windows and it's just, it's fun to look at all the stuff that's there. So like Amazon is real, right? Like Amazon is a place where looky-loos like to go. And one of my favorite things to do, whether that's Amazon or Nordstrom is to actually go and, you know, you may put it in the cart and then you just don't cash out. Like you go a day and you go away, you just leave it there. And if you come back and you still want it, maybe you buy it. 
-hmm. If you don't, then you're like, I don't even remember I put that in my dang cart. Mm -hmm. So there's just so many ways that you can do little tiny hacks and tricks to just really get your get yourself to a place where you're like, is this really what I want? Mm. Is that a suggestion that you use? Like wait 24 hours. Like if you want to purchase something, wait 24 hours, like put it in your cart and in the morning or whatever, if you're still thinking about it, then, you know, you've now made the decision that you can buy it. Like, is that something that you I recommend? Tend, I think, yeah, it's funny. I, as we're talking about this, I just realized that's actually what I do all the time now. It's, yeah. it's something I've actually trained myself to do un, unconsciously, but yeah, in the beginning, I would just put things in the cart and I'd be like, okay, I got to go do something else. And then half the time I'd come back three days later and be like, why did I put this in my cart in the first place? Yeah. And of course you gotta, you know, all the companies are tricky because you get the email that says, do you know that you forgot this in your cart? And I'm like, oh, I sure do. But another big thing that I personally had to do, because I was a bargain shopper, right? Like I love a good bargain. And so I would get all the emails on the sales, right? And that alone would just all of a sudden I'd find myself in my inbox, like, ooh, Nordstrom's got this 40, 30. And it's like, no, like I just had to unsubscribe from all of that. And now, like I said, there's just a whole other sense of contentment around when I do spend money because it's meaningful items, mm-hmm. right? Like it's, it's trips and experiences with my family and friends. It's dining experiences that, you know, we're going to remember versus, the trinkets in the bottom of a box that I once used to use 10 years ago. (laughs) I'm so glad that you brought that up because it is like that contentment. It's like, that is so fulfilling long-term instead of the fleeting or the instant gratification of buying something. Cause it's true. It's like a lot of times we buy cause we think it's going to make us happier or feel better. And it's so, it's so fleeting. It is so temporary. It's so, it just like happens like that. So what are your thoughts around that? Like, why, why is that? Like, why do we think that the car is going to make us happier? Well, what I think is it does actually make us happier in that moment, right? Like there's this sense of accomplishment. There's a lot of sense of pride. There's a lot of, you know, I've worked hard. I deserve this. And that is what the overriding sensation feeling is in the moment. Mm -hmm. It's when you leave the car dealership or it's when you leave the store And you get home and you look around and you're just like, man, did I really need and or want all this? No. Right. Like I remember a couple of times right before I got divorced, when I was really unhappy, I would go to right the mall, which I lived in Arizona and I lived in Northern Arizona. So the closest mall was like two, two and a half, like a good mall was like two, two and a half hours away. And I would justify spending all this money because I'm like, I don't come down very often. So I remember one time I was like walking with all the bags, like I was like pretty woman style and all these people are looking at me and I'm just like, yeah, I'm a badass. I made it. Look at me in my cool, my cool bags. And I remember getting back to the house and just bawling because I sat there and I'm like, why did I buy all this? Mm -hmm. But in the moment, it was just like so exciting and so frenzy. And all the salespeople are like, that looks gorgeous on you. No, what size do you need? So just know that like we're programmed as a society to thrive out of 
instant gratification, right? Like there's even a term in some marketing called planned obsolescence, right? It's this idea that you buy things that actually are meant to fall apart. So you have to go buy it again. So the system is not set up for us to be successful. That's the unfortunate truth of today's conversation is it's not set up for us to be successful and we can figure out ways to be by just being a little more mindful every single day. Mm, So good. It's so true. It is. It's all about that awareness and just being mindful, like taking, taking a step back. Like, is this something that I want? Is this going to like, am I, am I buying this to feel better in the moment? Am I avoiding how I'm feeling? Cause I'm like, go for it, buy whatever you want. As long as it's not trying to cover up some sort of feeling or emotion that, that we're avoiding. Um, so good. Oh gosh, AJ. So good. I could talk to you all day about this. This is incredibly helpful. And I hope someone that's listening is like, this is exactly the message that I needed to hear today. So I know that you have different challenges and you do different workshops. What do you have coming up um, along the lines with money mindset? Yeah, we are busy right now, actually looking at the calendar. I was hoping to get something on there for December and oh, here we are a couple of weeks out. So um, January, we're going to actually be unveiling some really neat workshops um, as well as some webinars and probably a couple of boot camps. So the best place to keep yourself up to speed on what we have going on is either on our website, which is ajbishop.co or Instagram, where you, you said you met us, was um, my wealth conscious coach. Um, so Instagram, my wealth conscious coach. We try to keep both up to date with all the fun things that we have going on. So be on the lookout for sure. 2021, we're, we're going big and we're staying home. (laughs) Yeah. Going big, staying home. I will make sure that I link that in the show notes. So if I was to interview all of your friends and your family, what would, what would they say your superpower is? Ooh, I would say, wow, is there one, but I would say it's probably that I am extremely generous. I, um, I'll give anybody on the street a dollar if I have it in my pocket, I'll spend time with anyone talking to them about whatever they want to. Um, I, I just love people and whether that's my time, whether that's my resources, I, I just thoroughly enjoy working with people and the humanness that comes along with that. So my superpower is my ability to create trust and to, um, develop friendships. I just, um, I I love people and I feel very, very grateful that I found my calling because I, um, I get to wake up every morning and be excited to go to work. Finally. (laughs) I love it. I mean, I, you know, our, our friendship is just blossoming. It's just getting started, but I would definitely agree. Um, when you said generous, I was like, absolutely. That is totally the energy that you put out. Like you are, I can just tell how generous you are with your time and your resources and your information. So absolutely. That is a incredible superpower. Um, that is something that like that I have been really like trying to cultivate as my val- like values. It's like something that I aspire to. My husband is incredibly generous in the same way with just time resource, all that. And that's something I admire so much. So you saying that I was like, I, I love that quality 
so much. So uh, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Well, AJ, this conversation was lovely. I got so much from it. Um, thank you again for your time. I'm beyond grateful that you took a chance from a random gal sliding into your DMs being like, hey, I like what you're doing. <laughs> and here we are. So I will make sure all of your information is linked in the show notes. And I'm looking forward to continuing this conversation with you. I am so just, I, I acknowledge you for being out in the world and spreading positivity and hope because it's needed more now than ever. So I'm just grateful that you asked me to be a part of your wonderful podcasts. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to continuing our new budding friendship. Awesome. Thank you. Oh, such a lovely, lovely human being that AJ is. And what a amazing conversation. I hope that you got value out of our chat. If you did take a screenshot of this episode and tag us, let me know what your biggest takeaway was. I think that this conversation really strengthened my belief that the way I think about money determines how much money I have. And that's because our thoughts create our results. So if we're having thoughts that there isn't enough money, money is evil, money is hard, I never have enough, only greedy people have money, chances are the results in our life are going to reflect those types of thoughts. Because as you know, our thoughts create how we feel, our feelings drive all of our actions and our actions create the results in our life. And same thing goes with that money mindset. So if you have any questions at all, please don't hesitate to reach out. Let me know what you thought about this show. I am so grateful for you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. And we got our final month of 2020. Just let that settle in one more month of 2020 and we're going to finish it strong. So make sure that you are signed up so you can get any updates, any last trainings of the year, definitely have big plans coming for 2021. So make sure you are in the loop and that's it. Yeah, that's it. So remember, love yourself, own your happiness and let your light shine because you're so worthy of it, my friend. You are so worthy. Until next time.